Hey, let me pray really quickly before we jump into this. Um, Father God, I just pray, rather I just acknowledge and I just thank you um, that your Holy Spirit is here now and present in this place. Um, Father God, I just pray as we tackle the subject matter that we're about to, that they be your words and not mine. I just pray that you help uh, and inspire each individual in here to listen, because this is so important what we're talking about. Um, Thanks for this time. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. So tonight, we're talking about sex. Amen. Y'all are dismissed. You can go to your groups. Seriously, get out of here. It's done. No, um, so I was thinking back to when I was in middle school and how I thought about, approached sex, and it just seemed like this thing. Um, I mean, I knew a few people in middle school who were doing it, um, but it, seriously, the vast majority were not. And it, I, of course, every song, every TV show, it, it's there and it's throughout society. You don't have to look very hard to find sex, right? You just don't because it's everywhere. Um, but it seemed like when I was y'all's age, it just seemed like this thing that was just often just the distance, right? And, and then when I got to high school, it was very different, right? Like, and I mean, as soon as you hit freshman year, because you're around people who are also, you know, seniors and who are 18, and man, it was everywhere, right? And it seemed like so many people were doing it. And the reasons that they gave for doing it were as different as the number of people that were, right? So where does that come from? And tonight we're going to tell us, or we're going to talk about the difference between what the world says sex is and what God says sex is. So check out this video. Y'all, there's a lot of tension around this subject that needs to be broken, right? Like we we need tension breakers throughout this entire talk. Um, But did you notice, obviously, I don't know if you've ever been to a fun house or seen a fun house mirror, did it, it distorts reality, right? Like, that is clearly not how you look when you look in a funhouse mirror. The world has done the same thing, right? So I'm actually calling this talk Distortion would be a really good title of it. Um, our world has distorted the truth when it comes to sex. Here's what the world tells us. Here's just a list of some things. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody's doing it. It's just what a guy and girl do if they like each other. It's better to have with more people. You're a loser if you wait. Um, It's more of a physical thing than an emotional thing. In other words, emotion's not really involved in it. Um, I know this guy or girl, and they didn't wait, and they're awesome. Like, they ended up fine, so why should I wait, right? I mean, they're even Christians, and they work at churches, and they didn't wait, and they turned out pretty good, so I should be able to do that too. Here's another one. Sexuality equals love, right? Um, And that's a really dangerous one, right? Because so many times, man, you can get trapped in this 
just place of equating sex with love. And my goodness, that's such a lie. And here's the last one. I just want to, so why not do it? I mean, God built me this way. He built me with sexual desires, so I just want to. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do it. But here's the thing. What does God say about all of this? Now, before getting into the Bible, I want to remind you of this. And I said this a couple of weeks ago when we did our panel. Why should we care what the Bible says about this? Or really, why should we care about what the Bible says about anything? Here's the reason. Remember this. I don't believe in Jesus just because I believe in what I can't see and I just have faith and just shut up. I wanted real reasons and real answers to, look, if I'm going to put my life in the hands of something, I guarantee you it's going to be more than, well, I just, that's where God led me and uh, I just have faith. Again, I believe in what I can't see. No, wrong. Remember, seven different nations, written histories, document Jesus dying and then rising from the grave three days later, right? It's documented history. It's a fact. Just as much as if somebody came in here and robbed the atrium and it made the seven o'clock news, um, they would be reporting a new story. Hey, this guy came in, robbed, left, got caught, he's arrested, yada, yada, yada. It's the exact same thing, right? That's why they call the gospel the good news, It's a news story. It is a factual thing. And here's the truth. This might sound simple, but until somebody else who claimed to be God, which Jesus did, every single other person who has ever claimed to be God is in the grave. You can go visit their graves, right? Jesus is the only one who ever claimed to be God, died, and then only God can change the rules, right? Because everybody in this room is going to die. But God said, okay, hey, I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise again because I get to do that because I'm God. And so Jesus does that. And until somebody else does that, I'm following that guy. Now, the Bible, which is that man's word, inspired word, right? Here's what it says, Genesis 2, 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. In other words, they will have sex and become one person, right? You literally become one person with the person that you have sex with. That is how God designed it. That's why it needs to be in the context of a marriage. Because here's the truth. You take, you literally share a soul with that other person, And you take a piece of that person, if you have sex with them and you don't get married, right, and the the relationship ends, you take a piece of that person with you for the rest of your life. And that's just the truth. How do I know that's true? Because the Bible says it. And again, remember Jesus rising? You're going to listen to him. Um, Also in 1 Corinthians 7... Three through four. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For, y'all make sure and listen, 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 do not miss this. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, so many men would just want to stop there. Likewise, 
The husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Here's the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Your body, as you're sitting here in this room, married, not married, doesn't matter to me. True statement. Your body does not belong to you. It belongs to two people. First and foremost, it belongs to God. He's the being that created it, right? He, and you can make all kinds of other decisions or think all kinds of other thoughts. Even if you don't believe, it doesn't really matter to me because I'm just telling you the truth. Your body belongs to God and, listen students, because just making sure, show of hands, no students are married. Are there any married students in the crowd? Okay, didn't think so. So guess what? True statement. Your body also belongs to your future spouse. It does not belong to you. So here's the truth. I know people, I know I have plenty of friends who were not virgins when they got married. In other words, they, become, they became one with another person who was not and never, please hear this, they became one with another person who was not and never ever would be their spouse. And if you ask them, they will tell you when that relationship ended, it was like going through a mini divorce. Why? Because you share your soul with the other person that you're doing it with, which is why God put it in the context of marriage. So important. Do not miss that. I also know the people who, when they got married, because they had sex before, um, not with their future wife and not with their future husband, and when they got married, found, finally found their wife or finally found their husband, they had to have that conversation to say, hey, I know that we're getting married and I love you, but I did this. And of course, the, their other, you know, their husband or their future husband or their future wife forgave that, right? But it broke their hearts, literally broke their hearts. Because even though you can put it in a context, well, gosh, I didn't even know you, you know, sweetheart, I totally forgive you. Like, it's, it's, it's okay. It still hurts, right? It's not how it was supposed to go down. So, again, let's look at how the world has distorted us, right? Like, those two things, the wife, your body belongs to God and to your future spouse, and you become one flesh. How different is that from, it's not a big deal, everybody's doing it, it's just what a guy and girl do. If they like each other, it's better to have more people. You're a loser if you wait. It's more of a physical thing than an emotional thing. Sexuality equals love. I just want to, so why not do it? It's the complete opposite of how it is, right? But my gosh, we're surrounded by it. We're sexual beings. You are built to desire to do that. But y'all, it's so important that it happens in the right context. So what do you do now? Right? Well, let me tell you this. You need to, A, think about how to honor your future spouse now. Honor God and honor your future spouse right now. Because chances are every single person in this room will be married. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but chances are every single person in this room will be married. Or already is married, right? So you need to make a decision of how to honor your future spouse now, today. 
truly, today, not later. And how do you do that? Well, there are these things I like to call guardrails, right? Guardrails, if you're driving down the road on a highway and you see those metal things on the side that keep a car, if it's going to get in a wreck, it's not going to go into the ditch or over the cliff. They're guardrails. You need to establish some guardrails now. And that's what y'all are going to talk about in groups is, hey, what are those guardrails? What do they look like? Talk with your leaders, right, about this. They know what they're talking about. Trust me. But that's what you need to do. You need to input some guardrails now. I know that's, listen, here's the truth. Don't want to burst your bubble. 99.9% chance you do not know your future wife or your future husband now, right? You have not even met them. I'm not saying that, oh, hey, one day I'm going to get married to that person and we happened to go to school together uh, back when we were younger and then we met again later in life. That's not what I'm saying. 99.9% chance you do not know your future spouse now. But you need to start thinking that way when it comes to this because trust me, guys, if you don't implement those guardrails now, Let me tell you how hard it is once you're in the moment to try and implement them, right? The the wise thing to do is to implement them now. Trust me. Let me pray. Father God, um, thank you for how you created us. Um, Thank you that you created us um, with the desire to be in relationship and an intimate relationship. In fact, the marriage relationship reflects Christ's relationship with his church. Um, Father, just put on our hearts, I just pray for conviction um, surrounding this. Um, I also pray for wisdom so that we can think intelligently and wisely before we get into these situations later in life. Just help us establish guardrails. Father God, thank you for your grace, which you so freely give. Um, Thank you for Christ's righteousness. Thank you um, for those in this room and even in this world that have made this mistake. And understand, my gosh, the hurt that comes out of it. Thank you for your grace that is there. But again, Father, I just pray for wisdom. That we start thinking about whose we are. We are yours and we are our future spouses. Help us do that now. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.